0: Good morning, Good morning. That uh, that was a newer song. Um, if you can't tell, I've been dealing with allergies all week, and my voice is like half gone. But that song is all about how God wants us to make a joyful noise. It doesn't matter how; He just wants us to make a joyful noise in order to praise Him. So, if you will bow your heads, and we'll get this worship service started. For. This day that you've given us that we can come into your house to make a joyful name, joyful noise in your name. Thank you for everybody that could make it here today. And thank you for keeping everybody in your house this morning. Be with us as we worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. One, two, one, two, three, four. (laughs)
1: this time they set it up for me so you, you should be able to hear the servant's master took pity on him canceled the debt and let him go that's found in Matthew 18:27 ever been told about ever been told you're on your way to meet a friend for lunch only to have him or her call and cancel or maybe you've been the friend who has called and canceled your appointment The world of technology makes it easier for us to cancel anyone or anything with one click of a button. Society has become increasingly more like what I read in Isaiah 520 when he told Jerusalem over 27 years ago, good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. America has always been far from perfect, but to me, it seems that its it, sin has never been more public, more prep and celebrated as it is today. Still as Christians, I hear so many times like they're bent out of shape, because cancel culture is nothing new for our God's people, acting as kind of naive on our part when we consider all the Bible that it teaches. Adam and Eve, for instance, were the first in line. They canceled God to believe a lie. Pharaoh canceled the ever-growing population of the Israelites, commanding all the Hebrew midwives to kill the sons, but when that he commanded every son who was born to be thrown in the river, and then there's King Herod the Great, who sought to kill baby Jesus by having to be put to death in all the Bethlehem and districts. Herod Antipas imprisoned John the Baptist for the sake of Herodias because John had confronted Herod that he was sleeping with his brother's wife. Claudius had the courageous prophet of God and the forerunner of Christ our Lord permanently canceled by beheaded and for the executioner to bring his head on a platter back to the mother. Jesus Christ believes in only one kind of cancel culture, our sins. Colossians 2.13 and 14 says, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge against our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, by nailing it on the cross. Unlike the cancel culture, which tries to erase those who disagree with it, Christ's love for us cancels our sins. We need only to ask forgiveness. He is why we can go on living for him in a culture that is increasingly hostile and judgmental. Jesus told a man who owed the king millions of dollars and canceled it. The king forgave the debt, but the forgiven man refused to cancel the debt of a man who owed him so much less. Conditional love has canceled our debt. So in turn, we should forgive others. This is the right kind of cancel culture. Practice forgiveness wisely. Re- the rest of the world will take notice. As we partake of the emblems this morning, may we become more aware that it's Jesus to cancel our sins. Perhaps no other words in Scripture pertain to Christians living, thriving, and teaching in a cancel culture than Peter. He repeatedly experienced cancel culture, abuse, exhorted first century saints who were about to face a fierce and fiery trial. Of Peter, in 1 Peter three fourteen and 16, may you find peace and forgiveness as you take this bread and juice right now. Father God, we ask that we do not fear threats hurled at us or be always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that we have in you. We ask for guidance to do this with gentleness and respect. We keep a clear conscience So that when we are hurled those fiery darts of those who speak maliciously against our good behavior, I'm ashamed of their slander. In Christ, we pray, who canceled our debt of sin, as we ask forgiveness on the cross. Come now for the offering time. May we bow for a word of prayer, offering today, Father, with humble hearts. We worship you, and we give our whole selves to you. Please now take these times for your glory and your kingdom ministry as we serve others. May it be a blessing to you in many ways, and glorify your name in your son's name.
2: All are a little more awake than the 8.30 service. They were struggling this morning to say anything. I think they were still asleep. When we got back, we, we spent a week in, in Tampa and on the beach, and now I need a vacation to get over vacation. You know, and, but it's good to be back. And we're going we're gonna to move forward with this Scott this questions series. It's to be a summer series. It's more like going to be a, a late fall series with all the questions I've got. But that's okay. Are you all enjoying having your questions answered? Well, you all are challenging me. I know that. So we're going to continue on with the question today, which it's, it's very simple. It's, you know, I don't know what's going on with this thing. Is God's word without error? And how do we answer that question? So I got to thinking about that this week and, you know, while I was sitting on the beach relaxing and. I I never stop thinking about sermons. I don't know what it is. It's just kind of what I do. And and I thought God's word to be true is a better way to ask that. Do you trust God's word? Because, you know, as Patty talked about cancel culture. Culture wants to cancel this. You know, they don't like it. It challenges them. So they want to cancel it. Yeah, huh, yeah. Well, when you go to the doctor there's a few fundamental things that the doctor looks for to check for your overall health right they take your temperature and your pulse and your respiratory rate and then they take your blood pressure and if it's me they say what's wrong with you you know but they take all of those things and they're called your vital signs and that we can use to judge our overall health as well and i'm not going down that road and going through all those vital signs but I'm going to tell you what the very first one should be. To know whether you or the church as a whole is healthy or not of Scripture. How you view God's Word matters. This should really be a sermon we preach once a month. You know, and I told you that, that when we started this series, some of you, because of the nature of them, well, this is one of them. Where you get to know a lot of, a lot of facts and a lot of scripture, and a lot less preaching. Sounds like fun, doesn't it? Did y'all bring pillows? Back to Genesis 3. Adam and Eve knew the command of God. Do not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, or you will die. That's what God said. Now, right and wrong is defined by who? By God. And We're not in a position to make that call. We can't decide what is right and wrong. God does on the revelation of God through his word to teach us what is right and what is wrong. But Satan, one of his very first attacks, is on God's word. And it is found in Genesis 3. Did God really say, you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Did you catch that? Did God really say? Did He? Yes, He did. He's trying to get them to doubt the truth of God's Word. And the world and Satan wants you to doubt God's Word. People in the church do. We doubt God's Word. And non-believers, they just doubt it to begin with. They don't have any excuse. But you as Christians, you're doubting God's Word? You see... When believe their actions and their life, because they doubt that it's true, because it doesn't line up with what they want to do. So they say, Well, there's got to be an error there. Because, you know, I'm right, I can do that. God, you know, God's wrong, not not me. Or maybe they got a friend that's living a certain way, or a family member that's far from living up to God's way of living, and they're saying, Well, God dare condemn them for the way they live so they start to doubt God's word because well they want to but Jesus said that had a different idea Four, where it talks about his temptation that Jesus was led into the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights he was hungry I bet you know what I mean get hungry but the tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And he could have. I mean, he turned water into wine and and a few loaves of bread, so he could have done it. But look at Jesus' response. He said, it is written. Did you catch that? It is written. Man shall not come from the mouth of God. Jesus answered him with scripture with God's word. Adam and Eve should have responded back to Satan with the words of God. We eat from that tree, we'll die. But they didn't. They didn't. Listen to me here. We are to live and breathe the words of God. Every word of God and see what it says on every area of our life. We're not to see the word of God as a buffet. How many of you like that? I mean, I like a buffet as much as anything else. But I can pass over Parts of the buffet, right? Uh, you know, but take it like a feast. Now, my mama prepared a feast for Thanksgiving, but you had to try everything. You know, you didn't just pass your plate; and you had better eat it, all of it, or she would be offended. Of course, we would eat the whole thing, and then after supper, she'd say, "Boy, you're getting fat." But we're to feast on God's word, which means we, we, we take it all, every bit of it, not just little bits and pieces, but all of it. See, here's the thing. Adam and Eve failed to eat it all. They failed to feast on God's word. And when Satan said, you will not die, they believed him. They quickly abandoned the word of God. And how many of us are just like that? We know we shouldn't do it. But Satan says, oh, it's okay. And so we say, okay. Let's try. Man, I wish I hadn't ate that. wish I hadn't did that. And like my mom said, you're getting fat, you know. But here's the thing. We choose what we want to take into the Bible. We should take it all. When one day somebody comes up and they say, well, there are errors in your Bible. Yeah. And how you answer this question will make a huge difference on how you view God and how they will. You know, so the, the really question is, is the Bible what? We've got to clarify some terms. This is where we get into the lecture part. Are you excited yet? All right, clarify some terms. It's deal with the confusion with inerrancy. And it starts with the fact that people are using the word wrong. But they're using inerrancy, but they mean different things. The Bible is inerrant in that it doesn't try to purposely or intentionally deceive you. They would say that the small details, such as historical, they say that the Bible is not inerrant, but rather it's infallible without fault. Is there any difference? Distinction between those two words. Is there any difference in the two? You know, up until 1960 or so, the two words were the same, interchangeable. But in 1960, or somewhere, it came to mean that God's word was true. It was only good for your faith and the way that you lived your life. And, but if you look at the definition, if you were to get them side by side in the dictionary, they mean The core issue here is, are there errors in my Bible? So, how do we know if the Bible does or not contain certain error, errors? Well, the place we need to go for the answer is directly to the scriptures. There is a scriptural witness. Today is reliable. Let's say I tell Oscar here to write down a statement word for word that I wanted him to tell the rest of you. And the only way for Oscar to pass it on was to make a copy, person, and they had to, they had to make a copy by hand to his and hand it to the next person. Now, first of all, Oscar'd mess it up. <laughs> Just kidding. He probably would. But there would be some misprints by the time he got to the back of the room, wouldn't there? Some duplicate letters left out, or or, you know, punctuation that would be different. But we could find the original copy and know what it meant by taking everybody's copies and comparing them together to get what was meant to say at the beginning accurate text of the new testament they took copies of copies of copies of copies and they compared them all together to see what was accurate he couldn't take the final copy down to office depot and run 30,000 copies and distribute it he couldn't do that you know so think about this now this is we're talking about the bible out of 30 30 30,000 handwritten copies 10,000 areas of miscopies where they messed up. All but 400 can be corrected easily. And out of four text, And out of those 50, not one of those affect any major doctrines. And all 50 began, can be examined in the light of the rest of the scriptures. So therefore, the Bible, we ain't accurate. You know, not one other book can make this claim. Yet, no other book has been under more attack. Is the Iliad? You heard of that? There's only twelve copies of it, twelve, and it's ninety-five percent accurate. Good at keeping his Bible. Now, what does this book say about itself? The Old Testament. The prophets claim to be proclaiming. It says, "Son of man, I have appointed you a watchman to the house of Israel, where it." Whenever you hear a word from me, from my mouth, warn them from me. You tell them what I tell you. The purpose of the prophet was to proclaim the word of God. Nothing more and nothing less. You know, his word threw them by filling their mast with air and moving them along. In other words, he gave them the push they needed. And gave them the information. And Psalms one nineteen says, "One of your righteous ordinances is everlasting. The word of the Lord stands firm," is what it says in one nineteen eighty nine. And then, of course, everybody knows Isaiah forty verse: "Our fades, but the word of our God stands forever." You can try to destroy it. You can try to distort it, but it will never go away. This makes a claim about the Old Testament and his purpose for coming in Matthew 5. He says, do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. That'd be the Old Testament, right? I have, truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen, will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. What does that mean exactly? Well, I'm going to give you a little Hebrew lesson. You didn't know you were coming for this, did you? The smallest letter was a yod. And the smallest stroke of the between a resh and a dalit. See the difference? And how easy you can mess that up? See, that's the Hebrew D. So easily messed up. But God says, even that will not be changed. Do you believe God when He says that? So, are there any errors in our Bible? Well, let's keep going before we answer that. You know, the word that Jesus says, neither one of these will pass away. Jesus, so that brings us to the New Testament, where Timothy says this. Well, Paul says this to Timothy, Then useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Now, where do you find that in the New Testament? Primarily is a reference to Old Testament writings, isn't it? He says scripture is useful. We should use the Old Testament to teach us how to live. But there are times when New Testament writers use the word scroll. Look at, at 1 Timothy 5.18 says this. For scripture says, do not muzzle an ox while it is treading out the grain. And the worker deserves his wages. Where are the old and the new? Deuteronomy 25.4 says, do not muzzle an ox while he's trading the grain. And then Jesus said, stay there eating and drinking wherever they give you, for the do not move around from house to house. So scripture that Paul used came from the old and the new. scripture 2, have I lost you yet? Don't you just love when I get this way? No. Listen. He says this about Paul. He's talking about Paul's writing. He says, Paul writes in the same way in all his letters, speaking in them from these matters. He, his letters contain some things that are hard to understand as they do other to their own destruction. He's saying that Paul's letters are scripture too. You see, there was an awareness among these New Testament writers that there was some, some inspiration coming to them from the Holy Spirit that was bigger than what they were thinking. Because they couldn't have done this on their own. You know, so they left. so we see here that the New Testament writings were be considered on the same level as Old Testament Scripture. Meaning that when Timothy says all Scripture, he means to include the New Testament. So what is Timothy trying to do? He's trying to say it's all inspired by God. Now what is inspiration? It is not being inspired by a movie to go out and do something. That's emotion as it's as if the very mouth of God spoke their words. Many times we think of inspired as being inspired. You know, you read an inspirational book. Well, I'm inspired to go out to eat after church. Right? I'm pretty emotional about it. It's the inspiration breathing his spirit into you and you being inspired to follow his direction what to me is how God used men and their own personal styles because each one of them are different their own personal styles to come up with our scripture use them as robots but he inspired them to write these things by the empowering of the Holy Spirit so let me ask you a question Product of divine and human authorship. And just because humans were used to write the Bible, it doesn't mean they were full of errors, does it? How many of you messed up sometime today? You know, I mess up all the time. Ask Leslie. She'll tell you. But that brings us to the next question. But weren't the scriptures written thanks Well, let me ask you another question. You know, just because humans were used to write the Bible, it doesn't mean they were error. The spokesman kept them from error. How did Mary, Mary a sinful human being, give birth to a holy child? How did she not pass on her own human, her own wickedness that comes naturally to humans? Because you know you're all wicked. You know that? You're all evil to a certain degree because you're full of sin. But, How did she, your Jesus Christ, who was without sin? Because she was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And God is bigger. How does a sinful man give birth to the Bible? The same way. By the empowering of the Holy Spirit. Just because God used human authors to write the Bible, it doesn't mean those human authors. Therefore... We see here that scriptures are God's words to men. They are words from his lips, from God's lips. If God is truth, then Hebrews 6.18 says it's impossible for God to lie. Therefore, it doesn't leave any room for God's word to have any error. In other words, the words of God can be true. But aren't there errors in the Bible? How many times have you heard that? No, let me help you with that and assume to be errors. But just because it's difficult doesn't make it wrong. The best thing I can say f- to you is that if you come across one of these apparent errors, take it to that verse. If you've got difficulty that has that got you completely stumped and questioned in the authority of the Bible, let me know and we'll work through it together. I'll take the time. I will admit these problems, but I guarantee you that all of these apparent errors can be solved. Find a good book, and I'm going to give you a list of them, and I'm going to email them out tomorrow. These list of these books, because you can't have mine. I need them. Encyclopedia of Bible Difficulties. James Montgomery Boyce wrote, "Dealing with Bible Problems, Alleged Errors and Contradictions, the hard Sayings of the Bible." He also wrote one called "The Hard Sayings of Paul." And James Kennedy wrote Solving the Bible Mysteries. Go get you a book and read it. Dig in. Because there are no errors. And then what about the historical facts and scientific facts? Boy, science loves to come out. Don't they love it? Some would say that the scriptures are true in matters of faith and practice. How many times have I said that today? But it does contain errors in scientific and historical. They're not meant to be a science book or a history book. But it's a good one. It's a good science and history book. But you can bet that God doesn't lie when he speaks on these things. Norman Geiser and, and William Nix, from God to us and how we got our Bible, here's what they said If the Bible is not correct in factual and in empirical matters, which are verified, it be trusted in spiritual matters. Which are not subject to. If it's not true on everything, then how could we trust it? On the other, it's true, isn't it? The Bible contains errors it means that we we make our own reasoning a higher, doesn't it? If the Bible says there is a river X, then I'd better be able to find it or have a good if the says there's a river there means there was a river there. Rivers don't always stay around, do they? Have you ever been to Dodge City, Kansas? This doesn't have any water in it at all because somebody in Colorado built So that river's not on the map anymore. But it was. And the Bible contains errors is, is, means that we, we make our own reasoning a higher standard of truth than God's people would say that the Bible is not error only when it speaks in matters of faith and practice. Only when, only when you're dealing with your faith. Well I've got two questions. Where is the distinction in scripture? Where, does it say that anywhere? No. And who are we to say what is exactly inspired and what is not inspired? Are we God? Well we don't play God when it comes to certain things but are we? So who are we to question what God says in his Bible? As we saw earlier, God's word claims to be entirely and completely true and without error. Therefore, a mere matter of faith and practice can't be done. When we do this, we set ourselves up to a standard that says when God's word speaks truth and when God speaks error. I don't know about you, but I'm not going to stand by here. Hey, well, you think that's going to go over? Yeah. Be like me telling my dad, "Dad, I don't back up that's right." See so, yeah, how well that works out for you. You know, saying the Bible contains error means that we in Scripture. If God's Word was only partially inspired, then how can I know what parts are inspired and what's true? What's really true? If how do I know that historical event of the cross really happened? If we leave it open for the potential of errors in scriptures, we're bound to say that this potential for error can occur on passages that speak on matters of faith and practice. It's just opening a door to questioning it more and more. And eventually, you won't have any confidence in God's word. That's a sad place to be. To say that scriptures are, are all God breathed gives it weight. He gives weight teaching for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. And why is it profitable for all these things? Because it's the very words of our Creator, our God. And since these authority, and how many of us like authority? No, we hate it. But God's word is authority. The word of God speaks into our life and it speaks to us as husbands, respect our husbands, to moms and dads on how to raise their roommates. We could go on and on and on, couldn't we? Plus, it's the only word of God we have. The mouth of God is true and right. Now, I'm going to close with some scripture, 41 through 48, and I'm going to read it. And this is a guy who's absolutely in love with the word of God. Just listen. Love, come to me, Lord. Your salvation, according to your me, for I trust in your word. Never take your word of truth from my mouth, for I have put my hope in your laws. I will always obey. I will walk about in freedom, for I have sought out your precepts. For kings, it will not be put to shame, for I will delight in your commands, because I love them. I reach out for your commands, which I love. Why does this guy, let me let you on a little secret. He loves God's word because he's so in love with his God. He is so in heaven. (coughs) Excuse me. His word. It's like a love letter to him. He reads it and he sees it as telling him. Not trying to be a joy kill. Not somebody who's trying to to keep you from living a a fun life. But from a father in heaven who wants what's best for you. Isn't that the kind of God you want to serve? Isn't that the kind of... God, you want to love you. One that wants the best for you. One that wants a life without regrets. Boy, wouldn't we like to have that. You can't separate the two. Word or you don't. Because to love the Lord means to love his word. And to love the word means to love the Lord. Fall in love with the Word of God all over again today. Stop trying to make them match your own standard. And remember, it is God and God alone who can set the standard for your life. He's authority and teach His Word on how we're to behave, love, treat each other, and most importantly, serve our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So when you ask me if God's Word is without error, I've got a very perfect God. And His Word is perfect in every way. So this book we call the Bible is without error and all I need to guide me in this journey on earth through this thing we call life is I There'll be no more trouble, there'll be no more sickness, there'll be no more death, there'll be no more crying. You know, I standing on the promises of God. Too many times, though, we don't stand we don't believe them. Instead we hope the promises of God will be true, don't we? We hope. No, it goes bigger than that. I know that what he says is true. I know that what he says means I get to go to heaven one day. I know that he loved me enough to cross and shed his blood so that I could be forgiven of my iniquities. My slate clean, so that I could I could come before the judge and him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Come on in. To doubt that means you're not standing on the promise. There's errors. You're not standing on the promises. Instead, I don't know you. You didn't believe what I said. I wouldn't stand in front of my earthly dad and I'm certainly not going to stand in front of my heavenly father and say, so you know what? Let's stand on the promises of God and they're 100% accurate and true. Heavenly father, we love you. We thank you for who you are. The words you give us to live by. Lord, we know that, that this collection of 66 books all written together over thousands of years that were following you but no cross is greater than that which Jesus gave life his blood so that we might believe so that we might decide and choose to trust your word to trust your follow him Lord give us strength be bold in our faith, strength, to make the standards you set forth in these pages. And forgive us, Lord, when we fail. And Lord, if there's somebody here today, the truths of your word, may they submit to you today, so that through the Spirit. Do is to let go of ourself. Then to let go of ourself, because we hold on to the hurts in this world, the treasures. We hold on to all these things because, because that's what we know. We know pain. We know suffering. We know, and to walk into the unknown and Savior and feel like. You know what? He's going to help me through these hard times. He's going to pick me up. I'm still going to have hard times, but He's going to be there with me. I have to to follow Him. Yet He gave His all. simply dying, but suffering. Gruesome death on the cross what was preceded by beatings and mocking and spitting and all these nasty things that have so much that he wanted to forgive you. See, why do we question him? If anybody else did that for you, you wouldn't question it, would you? We struggle to question our Savior. But let me tell you, he knows that. That's the reason he's standing with his arms wide open to accept, show you how much he loves you. But you can't feel it until you accept it. You can't have it. It's a free gift. It cost him everything. You can come forward today, confess him as Lord, we'll baptize you right now. And then we'll go out and roll down the water slide together. Make a decision today, eternity, tomorrow. So if you've got a decision to make for Jesus, you can make it. But if, if you're there a long time, but you've got these doubts and you need to let it go, maybe you need to realize the truth of his word, you can come up here and pray and we'll pray with you. Just know that God is here to help you understand. So whatever choice you've got to make, make it. So let's leave here today about the savior that is that way maker he makes a way for us all to go to heaven i want to thank all of you for coming out there's only got really one announcement out there there's a train there's water slides and when donna does something she does it right and and you guys need to take a few minutes to tell her thank you you know what people don't realize is we have kids, all these kids back here in the preschool and the nursery. There's a lot going on besides what you see right here. And Sunday morning is really where we take this stuff and we go out. Now, we voted to change the name of this church to Real Life Christian Church. So we're going to be Real Life Christian Church. And that means we're going to be, and here's my promise to you, I'm going to work harder. This a difference maker but I can't do it alone. I need everybody, and let's do it. Let's make a difference in Cherokee County. Because if we can make a difference in Cherokee and Cobb County, we can make a difference in the world. And our world needs Jesus bad. So let's be real, authentic Christian and change changing the world for Jesus. Does that sound like a plan? Now, I'll be up here for a little while afterwards, if you want to talk to me, and usually at the desk, she's she's got something for you. But hey, you know, let's go be followers of Jesus, not just churchgoers. Candy, will you dismiss us? Thank you for and learn about your
0: Word. Thank you that we could worship you. Thank you that we could spend the time to get to know you even better. Thank you for we can devote to you and serve you in your name. Have about week safe as we're having all the fun outside today and thank you so much for everything